special people. They go through things in life to make them who they are. The extra push, that's what makes them great. If you never face adversity, you're never gonna have that extra hunger to take it to the next level. With me, a lot of wisdom came with age, because there's only three ways you can learn, hearing, seeing, and doing. You live and you learn. There's a feeling of satisfaction that you get from winning, from conquering, from achieving your goal. There's nothing I won't give up for those 12 rounds. I've got heart, I've got determination. If we have to get down and dirty, I'll go to the trenches. My dad has always taught us to keep moving because you can always do it better. Work, work, we don't get to work. When I hurt you and I challenge you, do you have the heart to continue? Ali said it best, suffer now and live the rest of your life like a king. Guys, welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. And today, I wanted to go back in time because I think we've got enough of a perspective now that we can look back on one particular year in boxing. And I call this the year that scared boxing. And that year is 2017. So the intro you'd have heard was, you know, the intro from the Showtime Boxing Summary of... 2017 and just you know that wasn't the whole video but just in that video you had Danny Garcia Floyd Mayweather you had I think it was also Sean Porter Keith Thurman and one other Anthony Joshua's in there as well just those five in themselves tell you what a good year that was and the reason I say it was the year that scared boxing is this Considering how great those fights were, considering how great the matchups were. So these were great fights even before we saw the fight. And as a result, I think what promoters saw was they were giving us a lot of classics for free. And they were saying to themselves, actually, the way we make profit is by delivering classic fights. And they were surprised that so many classic fights happened. And I think for all of his criticism you had to give Al Heyman credit for being the catalyst for 2017 being the great year that it was. But perhaps it's worth taking a step back and working out, well, actually, what makes a great year in boxing? And for me, it has to be matchups that when they're announced, we're excited by. And when the fight happens, we're glad that we saw the fight. And there have to be those sorts of fights on a consistent basis throughout the year. You know, I know in 2019, we talk a lot about what the World Boxing Super Series kicked out to us, but that's a handful of fights. 2017 had that's the, 2017 had the standard of a Josh Taylor versus Regis Progre from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And, you know... If you guys go back, go back and look at your tweets. Look at how you felt about these big fights when they happened and look at how you felt as soon as you'd seen these big fights. How many times were you blown away? How many times did you say, wow, 
boxing's delivered again. I think in 2017, we all fell in love with boxing. And from a personal perspective, look, the New Age Boxing Podcast came into its own in 2017. And I think a large part of that was us riding that wave. People became more interested in boxing. Boxing became bigger. This is when boxing peaked in my eyes. This is when people said, this is a sport I can get behind. Because every month there was something to make you salivate. There was something to make you go, I can't wait to talk to my friends about this. And I remember every week, every Sunday, we were buzzing to do that podcast because there was so much to talk about, so much intrigue. And so the fights were so good that there was so much technical stuff to break into and really analyse. And I don't think we've had that feeling since. No. Let's just give people an example. Look, just an example of what you got in 2017. The year started, what, January 14th? And you had James DeGale versus Badu Jack. Let's be honest, that fight in 2020 is pay-per-view. With a shitty undercard, this, that, and the third, and it doesn't deliver. But guess who was on the undercard of that fight? Javante Davis versus, it might have been Pedraza. I was going to say Sosa, but I think it was Jose Pedraza. And, you know, Pedraza's the guy that Lomachenko then went on to fight, but people argue that Javante Davis did a better job on him. So that tells you how strong the cards were. That tells you Al Heyman's letting, the, I mean, he's starting the year with a bang. But it wasn't just Americans that were doing it. Miguel Burchelt against Francisco Vargas, hell of a fight. And we're still in January. Then we keep moving through January. You've got Carl Frampton versus Leo Santa Cruz too. Admittedly, we'd all expected that fight to happen. And when it did, it was a huge event. And, you know, go back through the social media and you had the, the almost the farce of, of what was happening over there where You had Frampton training with Shane, Shane on a boat in Miami, all these sorts of things, all newsworthy stuff, all great content if you're a boxing fan. And it was at that time when boxing social media was really coming into its own. And so by the end of January, it's like you've given us more than we deserved in what is typically a slow month in the year. You know, what more do you want? You, You get the return of Mikey Garcia, two and a half years off, comes back, and everyone thought, thought Dejan's Latichinin was, you know, was a threat at lightweight. Danny Garcia dispatched him with a thunderous uppercut. So we're, we're in the first quarter of the year and we're blown away. Then Al delivers again. He gives us Danny versus Keith Thurman. No, whatever you say now, with the benefit of hindsight, at the time, they were the two guys we wanted to see go at each other. And the fight delivered. An absolute barn burner and no one's reputation was ruined as a result of that fight. And we can go on and on with fights like this. You know, fights of this quality where you're looking and you're going, wow, every week I wanted to tune in. And let's be honest, this was driven by Al Heyman and the PBC. Let us not forget, Al brought Javante Davis to the UK to fight Liam Walsh. And that was the fight I think that solidified Javante Davis as a star in this country. He became a guy we were interested in. And that's not to say that in the UK that no one else was delivering. You know, Hearn gave us Crawler versus Linares, 
But this is when Linares was, you know, just basically pickpocketing British boxing fans and setting himself up for retirement. But let's not forget, you know, the two events that Hearn delivered, and you have to say he delivered, that were not life-changing, but they were game-changing in a lot of ways. So, hey, Bell, you won. We forget that was 2017. And that in itself... I feel a lot of different ways about that, as you guys well know. So I'm conflicted in a number of ways because obviously at the time I spent a lot of time with David, spent a lot of time in that camp. And so it was disappointing to see that that outcome. But it also validated David Hay as a warrior. And it gave us a thoroughly compelling fight. It's a fight that you could watch back again and go, wow, that is dramatic. It's something you can tell your kids about. And just when you think it doesn't get any better, you get... Joshua versus Klitschko. Ignore whether you think it's a valid fight for a world title. Park that for a second. To Phil Wembley, 90,000 strong. The public workout, the coverage. What else do you want to talk about? All the content that was created, platforms that grew as a result of this. You know, seconds out, behind the gloves. These outlets all grew as a result of, of this period going from and if I get my order wrong, feel free to correct me. Hey, Bellew, Joshua Klitschko, Kelbrook, Errol Spence. We got hit with three fights that were, if you're being a revisionist, you'll say, ah, they weren't that great fights. But in the moment, they were fantastic events. They were the events you wanted to see. This was the nascent development of Dave Allen, the boxing character you know before he'd just been sort of the the hardcore's favorite and this is the year Dave really crossed over and became that that phenomenon and so the, so 2017 this is really pivotal yeah let's not forget that a lot of things happened in this year and normally boxing has its its fast and its slow periods times when you're bored of it all everything I've given you now is sort of taking you to the middle of the year and these are all bangers these are all classic fights you know, we forget Andre Ward in the UK. He was here. We forget Andre Ward demolishing Sergei Kovalev when it wasn't expected. We also forget O'Hara Davis versus Josh Taylor. And I'm saying all of this just to remind you guys how great 2017 was. It was a hell of a, it was a hell of a year. And I'm probably not touching on all of the fights and people will come up with fights that they think were mind-blowing. I'm never really sure if Render versus McKenzie was this year or the other year. So that's a small hall, kind of, you know, shining light a bit on the small hall. But as you can see, look, you, you had this. And I try and look back and think, why was that year so good? What made that year so special that you look back on it fondly? You know, I'm sure people have kept the tickets from a lot of those events, the pictures, the selfies, the memories where you go, that was a hell of a night, a hell of an event. And I think it's because it was that rare moment when a lot of really talented and gifted boxers came of age at the same time. You know, guys like Javante Davis, guys like Danny Garcia, Keith Thurman, mm even Andre Ward to an extent, these are when they crossed over 
into a wider consciousness. And they delivered in the ring, which meant that their reputations only grew and were further burnished by their achievements in the ring. You know, you can even throw guys like Ryan Burnett in there. So when Ryan Burnett, you know, basically dominated Lee Haskins to win a world title, you know, that was his statement win. That was when we, be, you know, we're like, okay, Ryan Burnett's world level. Billy Joe versus Willie Monroe Jr. Okay, absolute stinker of a fight. But as an event, no. You know, we thought, okay, well, Americans talk highly of him. This is challenging. So even the fights that we intuitively feel were disappointments were still better than anything we got after. And even the gimmick fights of 2017 were better than anything we got afterwards. So Mayweather versus McGregor, let's not forget that. That's the same year. This was the year we saw Alexander Usyk become the guy we thought might just take over when he fought Marco Huck. And so as you go through this year, what you begin to realise is it's special. It was Golovkin versus Canelo 1. If it was, I'm sure Golovkin fought Danny Jacobs the same year as well. So as we dig deeper into this year, you're seeing this. This is a special year. And then you move into the end of the year and you've got guys like, you know, Billy Joe Saunders versus David Lemieux and the masterclass he delivered there, which was also mind-blowing. And let's not forget Manny Pacquiao losing to Jeff Horn, which surprised everyone and, you know, probably changed both men's careers and definitely in the short term, you know, in vastly different ways. So as we go through this year, and we start to look at it, we look at some of the shocks. So James DeGale versus Caleb Truax. The year delivered in every meaningful way. And for you guys listening, I'm sure if you go back to your 2017, you'll realise there's a lot of highlights there that you'd love to share with your kids. Whether it's what you did in the amateurs, whether it's what you did in the pros, whether it's what you saw, whether it's friends you made and people you got in contact with it doesn't 2017 seems to just be this year that we'll always look back on with rose tinted glasses the same way we look back on certain years in boxing like when you had Hagler Hearns and we go oh everything was amazing back then but here this is backed up with facts these fights are fights that people will look back on you know Burchard gave you two classics as we said earlier Vargas and also Miura he gave us absolute bangers and I think in setting the scene, I wanted to just remind you how good the year was because now you realise how many of those fights were free. How few fights were pay-per-view. You got amazing fights and amazing content for free. And I think, and it's only my hypothesis, I think what happened after that, the promoters said, oh, actually... I need to ration out the good stuff because I can't give you four years worth of classics in one year because you're not going to appreciate next year. And if you notice, 2018 was a massive hangover in relation to what we'd been through before. So the promoters started to clamp down on it. I think also what happened was the Joshua thing got out of control. So Hearn just figured he could just basically take the British fans for a ride. And so when he fought to come afterwards, it was almost like, well, Joshua sells everything. It's not necessarily who he fights. Because they were selling Joshua tickets before we knew the opponent. Because originally it was meant to be a Klitschko rematch. Then it was meant to be Pulev. Then we ended up with Takam as a mandatory defense, which the fans weren't happy with. And 2018 became that, that became the issue. 
because at that point, it was only really Joshua. Fury wasn't back at that point. He was on his way back in 2017. And Wilder, we've, oh, let's not forget. I think that was when Wilder iced Bermain Stavern as well. So, wow, 2017 did deliver, but Wilder wasn't who he is now in terms of a, a media star, cross-platform celebrity. And so they could take the piss with Joshua. Heyman was still giving us the fights we wanted, but it was the little guys. Golden Boy got really precious about Canelo again. And, and so what happened after that was the promoters said, we're going to control who fights who when, and we're going to ration the content. And I think as boxing fans, we've stuck to the sport for the last three years, mainly because we think that's going to happen again. And I think the promoters got wise to it. Even how Heyman got wise to it and said, actually, I've got to make some of these things pay-per-view or my investors are not going to be happy. So that brings us to the position we're at in boxing now, where you look and you go, it takes so long for these good fights to happen. And we're told you need to let them build up and marinate. And that's not true. You really want to make money in boxing? Just look at 2017. Had that been a DAZN schedule? And I'm convinced 2017 is what convinced DAZN to jump into boxing. And sadly, they've never been able to replicate it, even though they have the perfect platform to do so. Because that's what we want as boxers. We want to be able to look back on a year and go, every month you gave us a fight that we'll talk about for years. And I don't think it's that hard. But in the years that follow, look at what's happened. The, the promoters have really consolidated talent, so they've atomized divisions. Hearns tried to lock down the middleweights. Heyman and Aram are trying to lock down the heavyweights in America and potentially isolate Joshua, so DeZone have responded in kind. And then it's about who can lock down the light heavyweights. And everyone's trying to lock down divisions so they can have their own little super fights all on pay-per-view. You know, the idea of just giving the fans the fights they want at a cost of zero, I, I just can't see happening for a while. And that's the sad part about it. But I almost wanted to just do a quick podcast as just a love letter to 2017 because it was a great year for boxing and I think sometimes we get so obsessed with what's happening in the moment, we never go back and remember. We were really blessed in that year, and maybe it's worth revisiting some of those fights and just going, this was a happy time. But no, it was fantastic. And I'm just, uh, you know, I'm smiling now just thinking back to it. And look, guys, I don't know where boxing is going to go, and I don't know what the future model is. But I think we're, still, we're going to see a progressive retreat from giving the fans what they want when they want it towards we will, you know, promoters controlling the ride, broadcasters controlling the ride and trying to squeeze every drop of revenue out. But here's the kicker. Boxing is losing fans. Like everything else, there's an existential crisis in sport and boxing is no different. Where we're looking now and we're saying kids don't want to do this anymore. It takes too long to be good at boxing. It takes too long to understand boxing in a, in a meaningful way. Just like it does rugby. Just like it does other sports where, you know, you're seeing participation levels fall. Engagement levels are falling. You know, in some sports, audiences are falling through the floor. And so the question is, how do you drive that upwards? I think 2017 is a perfect answer to that. So no, nah, I just wanted to touch on 2017 because I do think it's a special year. Of all time, I'm not sure. But definitely since the year 2000, 2017 is the best year you've had for boxing globally. 
So yeah, feel free to go back, revisit it and enjoy. But I just wanted to throw that out there because I do feel that that was peak boxing. And I know people are trying to tell you now that we're doing a million views, a million and a half views for X, Y, Z, but you don't have the heart of the boxing community the way that, that it was in 2017. And that's a real shame because I thought, <laughs> had we just given the crown to Heyman, I feel boxing would be in a stronger place now. I think people would have been forced to embrace that free-to-air model. Instead, you know, what have we got? We've got an ESPN subscription service, a DAZN subscription service. Now we've got Fox pay-per-view. We've gone backwards. But I guess that's boxing for you, man. Boxing can never help itself. It always has to disappoint. But I think that's enough for today, guys. I really appreciate you guys listening all the way through. But I just wanted to touch on 2017 because that's been on my mind for a while in terms of how 2017 was so great and how everything else has been so poor in comparison. And I think it was just, it scared people because they saw all this great content going away for free. And that caused a lot of issues. But, you know, we'll carry on. And, you know, thanks for thanks for basically banging the Antonio Tava drum for us. And, you know, I really appreciate that. Hopefully he gets the messages and he realises that actually he has a compelling story that needs to be told. Because I might just tell his story without him, to be honest with you. And then, you know, I'll do it so well that they might not want to hear him tell the story. So hopefully he'll come and do it and we can have a fantastic conversation but we'll see. So listen guys, have a great day, you know, 2020, stay productive and stay vigilant. Take care, bye.